is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to say big thanks to our title sponsor, that's Big O Tires. Right now through September 6th, save $150 on Big O brand tires during the Big O Tires anniversary sale. Big O Tires, the team you trust. People uh, on, on Twitter uh, going back and forth on maybe this uh, running back question we had. Uh, Han- uh, Gordon, Hans is going to join us here in a second. Um, let's see, our guy Eric says, uh, it's crazy Frank Gore isn't on that list. Not the best, but certainly in the top ten. Again, I think it was that particular random list I Googled, I think was 2000 to 2010, because yeah. there were some names not on there that, that certainly should have been. Marshawn Lynch might be the answer. I was thinking LT, Austin threw out uh, Adrian Peterson, certainly in the discussion. You got I mean, Lynch has a Super Bowl championship, right? And he was the guy offensively on that. I mean, I know Russell Wilson was there, but he was the guy on that Super Bowl championship team, right? And he might have had two. Probably should have had two <laughs> if he would have gotten the ball. Yes, indeed. So I'm kind of I'm creeping in on that maybe my answer. Might be Marshawn Lynch. He did it for a long time, too, which is not something you can say uh, with a lot of running backs. We had somebody uh, in here said Chris Johnson with the Titans was real good for a minute. He was. He was unreal. He had that 2,000-yard two, season, mm. and then he was gone. <laughs> yeah. Longevity with running backs is huge. That's a thing. Because... They get injured so often. Because that's a great example. Because Chris Johnson, he was electric for the time. I mean, he was a player to watch, and then he was just out of the league. You know, Jake, I, I've had the opportunity to watch some uh, some NFL practices before, and I'm telling you, I I gained a new appreciation. And Hans could probably talk about this, but how fast those ball carriers hit the hole. Well, let's. let's and there's got and mountainous men all around them, and sometimes they absolutely get their clock cleaned. But they are running full speed into huge clumps of humanity. Well, let's let's ask Hans our question because not only can he can he provide firsthand expertise on what you're talking about, Gordon, but he played with a candidate. Because I think you got to put Edger and James on on the list of candidates, right? Of so, Hans, how are you? First of all, you doing well? You good? <laughs> I'm very good, man. Very, very good. So, how this started? Gordon and I are watching uh, Barry Sanders highlights, and then we started comparing Barry Sanders and Walter Payton, and then started talking about the oh, evolution yeah. of the running back position in the NFL. But let me ask you this: Who is the best running back in the NFL post the year 2000? Ooh, wow, that's a tough call. I know. <laughs> um, Marshall Falk? See, he, um, I consider him pre-2000, though. Do you? Okay. He won the MVP was, in 2000, actually. Okay. so Marshall we, Falk. Yeah, that's a good a, answer. Yeah, that's a good, he's a great running back. Um, I, by, by the way, I have one tackle in my NFL career. It was on Marshall. And I'm talking a regular season game. I had a lot of different tackles. I I had a couple of big hits on Sean Alexander and and a couple of others, but in a 
Yeah, it's the only tackle I registered as a as a defensive lineman before they moved me to offensive line. And you guys were talking about Edron James. I actually have three cleat scar marks. <laughs> three cleat scar marks on my on my hamstring, kind of up by my kind of by my butt cheek. I'll show you, Gordon, next time I'm with you. Um, Can't wait. And look, Edron didn't wait for anybody. You know, it, it, you give him three or four inches of gap and you get out of the way as much as you can. He'll run right up your back and get to the hole. He loves stretch plays. He was so good at, at hitting corners and Howard Mudd was so good at teaching how to set edges, whether it was with guys like Marcus Pollard or Dallas Clark or Tart Glenn or Adam Meadows. There were so many greats that blocked for Edron James and they could set corners so well, but I'd say post-2000, if you allow it, Marshall Falk. If you don't allow Marshall Falk, I don't. I'm leaning Man, toward uh, I'm leaning toward Marshawn Lynch. Man, Marshawn's fun to me. Beast mode, just an overall personality. And he had the Super Bowl. Uh, Austin brought up Adrian Peterson. We were talking about uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Who else came up, Gordon? Yeah, Adrian. About it. Someone brought up Frank Gore. Right. Adrian Peterson is fantastic. I think all time is my my favorite all time is, is sweetness. That's that's my pick for all time running back. Um, but he was in my heyday. So was Barry. But Barry played for such an obscure team, and the Lions were just never good. But Walter Payton embodied everything that was beautiful about football to me: his grace, his form, his power. His touch out of the backfield, his hard-headedness and strong back when he picked up blitzes, he just was the best parts of football. And it, and it sucks because he was gone so so young that we didn't have this lifetime of, of seeing him at these enshrinements. And, you know, like Jerry Rice, watching Jerry Rice kind of age and do it gracefully, but keeping that face and image as the greatest receiver of all time, we lost Walter Payton way too early because I really do think he's the greatest of all time. Here, here, Hans, have you ever studied film of Earl Campbell? I, I haven't, no, but I, I do know that that name, and I, I probably should. I, I have studied film of Jim Brown because yeah, I've, I've had people get in my face, and because I've been very vocal saying Walter Payton is the greatest running back of all time, and I've had people really get angry with me and say, well, you haven't watched a lick at Jim Brown, and, and I have studied Jim Brown, and guess what? I like Walter Payton better than Jim Brown, mm. so That's put that something. in your pipe. That's saying something. Hans, will you uh, talk a little bit about what I was saying before you came on, and that is these running backs who hit the hole so very fast, and you were one of the mountains of humanity that uh, at times they had to get through, but when you're watching it up close, it is remarkable that these guys go at it full speed that way. I don't know how they do it. Uh, I think, you know, I was talking about this today during our show. I think the hardest position to play on a football field is the corner position. I think the toughest position to play as far as just having to be tough, it's got to be the running back position. I, I can't think of somebody that puts themselves in harm's way in large impact and big contact situations more than the running back. 
it is uh, the the just the overall brutal hits that they take. I can remember Gordon. I, I remember well. I about knocked myself out on Kalani Sataki. Kalani was a fullback, and I about knocked myself out on him in a practice because a lot of times you'll come in on stunts, and sometimes you just come come completely unblocked, and you'll get a really good look on a running back. And the good ones can drop their hips and they drop their head and they still punish you more than you punish them. And of all the concussions I remember, that hit I took coming into round and having Kalani go head to head with me. And I, I, I hit him and I know I shook him. But I fell to my knees because I, and I had this weird flashback. It was the most bizarre concussion of my life. I had a full recall of an entire week of dreams and, and I, and I was able to see every dream as I had it for a seven day period. And I, re- I remember watching these dreams on a replay as I was going through this concussion and being like, Oh, that was an amazing moment. Oh, that was awesome. And then within about five, six hours, the, all I had was the memory of knowing the dreams, but that's what, that's what Kalani did. And that's what these backs do. They they know how to drop their hips and just light you up. Thomas Jones was one of the best at that. And as far as the guys that I've had to tackle in my life, Thomas Jones could just bring the hurt. He he knew he had such a great powered low body and he could drop those hips and just blow you up, even though you've got a good angle on him. I don't know how they do it, Gordon. I don't know. Yeah. The, the repetition of hits, I don't know how they do it. Hans, uh, Chester wants to know uh, what those dreams were like that you were remembering. <laughs> I'll keep both of them to myself <laughs> because, I, you know, I was in my 20s. Um, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> a lot of flying, Gordon. I flew a lot. Okay? So uncomfortable right now. Uh, Hans, let's, it seems like a good time to switch gears. Um, let's start with let's start with BYU. You mentioned Kalani. How how has camp started? Give us a couple of thoughts, uh, observations on your end. It's going better than anybody could have planned at this point. When you take into account all the talent that they lost, and it goes deep. You know, you guys saw that list of guys that they lost, and I was listening to your conversation with that New York uh, Jets beat writer just talking about Zach Wilson and kind of reliving that, some of that season with him and then going to that tackle position with Brady Christian Christensen and, and the security got there and, and the drop-offs to Dax Milne. And I know that Bushman didn't play, but Bushman, another fantastic drop-off and talent point. But everybody would have thought, oh, man, this is going to be a slow camp. It's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be very painful. BYU is going to be limited in, in uh, all kinds of playmaking talent. But as things stand right now, I wouldn't say it's just the opposite, but I would just say I have been pleasantly surprised with the cupboards that got you know stocked full with the Puka Nakua's and the Samson Nakua's and the the um, Hulkers that came back off his mission and you know and and also the continued growth of guys like Isaac Rex. It, it has just been a much more seamless move into a new regime than I think any of us could have expected. So with the, with the talent BYU has in those skill position, Hans, 
Uh, it seems as though the offense, that attack is going to be a handful for teams if that offensive line can hold up. And what, what are you – you're seeing good things there? Well, the offensive line is, is great, Gordon. The starting five is great. It's just when you get past the starting five, you know, you've got, you've got Barrington's brother who's making some noise. You've got a, a kid named Connor Pay. Uh, and Gordon, you might remember, I think his dad played at BYU um, before me. Um, but you got a kid in Connor Pay who's making some noise. But right now, it's just it's the starting five that is looking really good. Blake Freeland, who is going to replace the minutes that you're losing from Brady Christensen. Harris Lachance, who was already a staple on the outside. Clark Barrington, who, you know, one of my favorite guards in a long time at BYU. He's a brawler, loves to fight. James Impey, who is a mainstay. So the starting five is great. It's just the depth, I think, is going to be a, a big concern, something that none of us have talked enough about. Hans, I need your advice right now. Um, you and I are talking offensive line, and Jake's over there rolling his eyes. What, <laughs> what should I do? Should I punch him in the nose? What do you know? No, no I'm not rolling my yeah. eyes. I just I will never yeah. forgive Hans for making me watch the stupid line. I've watched so many football games <laughs> with him over the years that I can't help it because sitting there, you know, hey Hans, what do you think about that play right there? Well, did you see that trap block from the left guard? I mean, that was some of beauty. It's like, dang it, I don't want to watch that, Hans. Now it's all I see. Now it's all I can see. <laughs> uh, Gordon, square him up. I, have I ever showed you that just the uh, the jab, step, and flipper throw? <laughs> just hit him with that, man. Jab, step, and flipper, and and drive him into the wall. I like, I like the sound of that, man. Yeah. Let's flip over to Utah, Hans, and the the vibe you hear coming out of Utah camp is is really really positive. Although that usually is the vibe coming out of camps in general. But uh, is this different? Do they feel like they've they've got a contender? Well, let me ask you two this. How often do you hear Kyle Whittingham not have pub is in the right word. Um, yeah, pub his team, but um, okay, how often do you hear Kyle Whittingham set extremely lofty expectations for a team? And, and, and I'm, I'm leaving that open-ended because I've only heard it. I heard it in that 2019 season. He was pretty vocal with media while we were there. But other than that, I don't remember hearing Kyle Whittingham kind of openly set a lofty expectation for his team because he's already done that. It's interesting, Hans, that you bring that up because I think he compared this coming team to his 2019 group. You yeah, know? he did. Yeah. He did. He compared it to the 2019 group, and every time you ask him about his position groups, he's like, yeah, we're good there. Yeah, we're good there. Yeah, we're good there. Like, he's already kind of setting me up to get really excited about this season. But am I wrong in thinking that he's typically pretty reserved when it comes to setting an expectation? I think Kyle is, has experienced so many things at Utah now that what's he got to lose, really? You know, 
I, 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 it's good to hear. And I, 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 yeah. believe, I believe him. I think this Utah team is going to be really, really good. And one example of what you're talking about there, Hans, is when he was, when he was saying of Brewer that this new kid coming into a new program is caught up with Cam Rising as far as his understanding of the, the playbook and uh, his understanding of the offense as a whole. I mean, that, that's quite a compliment coming from Kyle. It's a big compliment, and I think that Charlie Brewer is going to be a, a huge part to the growth and potential level of success that they're going to have there. Um, I don't know. You know, it was really fun to watch Andy Ludwig use Tyler Huntley the way he used him and to develop Huntley. And, Jake, I think you were doing some of the pre- and post-games with me through a lot of that. Yeah. Um, we knew what Huntley wanted to be, and – Andy Ludwig took him out of what he wanted to be and made him an actual quarterback. And Huntley was very good when when he was forced into a quarterback role. And he was he was an athlete and fine when he was himself. I mean, he was an overachiever. But watching Andy Ludwig big build Tyler Huntley was it was really eye opening to me. And where he's got an already firm product in Charlie Brewer. I'm excited to see what he's able to come up with for Charlie. And then the proven targets that he's got to throw to, you know, guys, it's funny. I, I always try to stop and check myself because, you know, Jake Scott in this market over whatever 15, 20 years he's been here has always been a realist. You know, he's always the guy that stops you and is like, okay, dude, you're over <laughs> your skis, back up, you know, let's take a really deep look at this. And, and so I've learned over the years, like, okay, Hans, you know, I get, I do get really excited about uh, upcoming football seasons. And I try to take a step back and say, wait, you know, Hans, is it really going to be that good? Are they going to be that good? Well, both Utah and BYU, I think they're going to be better than I expected them coming into the season. And... I, I feel like I'm almost getting over my skis a little bit, but I think that they both have eight and nine win potential, which says a lot for what BYU is replacing and says a lot for what Utah was able to accomplish last year. But I think that they're both set to have eight or nine win seasons. I heard you talking the other day, Hans, and you were breaking down the schedules and you stepped over the Utah-BYU game. <laughs> as you were discussing the other matchups. And so my question to you is, will BYU ever beat Utah again? And if they do, will it be this year? They will. Some At some point, they will. I don't think it'll be this year. I think that it could have been last year, but that's neither here nor there. I still would have picked Utah going into that game because there's something about actually seeing it happen like, you know, when somebody holds a, a dominance over somebody for so long, it, it sometimes it takes a while to get over that, that mental block. And so until I see Kalani and BYU get over that block that Kyle Whittingham has put in front of them, and that I'll probably favor Utah going into games. But I don't think it's going to be this year, Gordon. I, I think that Utah's got a, a bunch of – a, a bunch of what I what I would call dogs on defense. Um, Clark Phillips, absolute dog. Uh, Devin Lloyd, I think is he's a, a absolute just you know slobbering head off, <laughs> running around hitting people type of dog. And I 
I, I think that Utah is probably going to hold the edge coming into that one. But it is at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But has that ever mattered? I don't know. Huh. Uh, before we let you go, Hans, I uh, have one more thing for you. Now that um, bribing recruits is essentially legal uh, <laughs> with name, image, and likeness, I want to know how much Chad Rock's raked in already. <laughs> <laughs> it's early yet. <laughs> I, I, I just want to know how many. Well, we've got a we've got a booster here that give you ten grand right up front just for your your consideration. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you this: he's eating his weight in built bar. So <laughs> I mean, I guess if you uh, if you whatever it is a dollar twenty five or whatever it is per built bar, you know he's probably made over one hundred eighty thousand in built bar. Over the last <laughs> over the last eight months, Cash. Uh, no, no Chad yet. But you know, we are putting together some social media game plans because yeah. apparently that's the way into the pocketbooks uh, at a younger recruit age. I want to see Rock's ribs show up somewhere. You know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the pizza from who were we talking about yesterday, Gordon? Who's got know. his own pizza now? Who are we oh, talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, Jaden Daniels. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has yeah. his own pizza. I want to see Rock's JD5, ribs somewhere. it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We got we to get that happening. Uh, Hans, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for jumping on with us. Hey, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's going to be a fun football season, man. This is – it's all setting up to be one of the best we've covered on air in a long time, you guys. I can't wait for this thing. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. That's our friend Hans Olsen. Of course, uh, you can hear him 10 to 2 every day alongside Scott Gerard right here on 97.5 and 1280. Did you learn about a lot about football talking with Hans so much? Oh, watching yeah, watching games. games with Hans over yeah. the years? Yeah, I've learned a ton. How could you not, honestly, sitting yeah. next to somebody with uh, that kind of resume? Oh, no doubt. But uh, I'll tell you this, linemen watch the game different. 100%. And I'll never forget it. <laughs> and it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I used you to enjoy watching. You off the, uh, the center and the guard. Look at that push up front. My gosh. <laughs> Got nothing to do with the running back or the receiver I mean, but, or the but quarterback. Here's, here's the thing is he's right. I've but always it does, said but that. But it doesn't make it uh, more fun. I, I've been saying this for years. I remember having this conversation with Danny White when he was coaching the uh, Arena League team here. How long ago was that, fellas? Well, Hans was on that team. so Yeah. Long time. Well, Hans is like fifty-five years old, but now. he was on that team. So. I, oh man, I've had a rough morning. Uh, it, it, I, I said, I said, hey, Danny, I think the most important position, other than the quarterback in all of football, is the offensive line. And he said, I can't really argue with you. If I was going to argue with you, I might say the defensive line. But uh, he, you know, he was right there with me. And uh, Hans certainly will tell you that. I'll bet you. Well, I'm tired of watching it. I don't care about the importance. I think you should appreciate it. It makes you look at things that the average fan doesn't look at because Hans guided you in that direction. I can appreciate bacon. Doesn't mean I want to watch it be made. (laughs) Well, you want to eat it. Yeah, right. But it doesn't mean I'm taking the next uh, Uber down to the slaughterhouse to see how it goes. So you would rather see the result of the play and appreciate that as opposed to appreciating. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you don't disagree with me either. More Big Show coming up next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.